going to begin a brand new series today called The Christian Atheist. Uh, and it was based on a, a book, you know, by Craig Rochelle with its very same title. Uh, I read this book a couple summers ago, and it really helped put to words uh, some of our understanding of what it looks like to be an American Christian. And so, uh, or some challenges, uh, some presuppositions as it pertains to that understanding. So if you're a reader, I just want to make sure that that's out there as we kind of go through this four-week series. Now, before we jump in, I do want to just take some time to celebrate what God did this last weekend. Wasn't Easter weekend amazing? Absolutely amazing if you were here. It was awesome. Because of you, you know, uh, you invited your friends and over 4,600 people showed up this last weekend and we had dozens and dozens of people, you know, who either committed or recommitted themselves to Jesus Christ. And so we're so, so excited about that. Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. So we, get, we only get excited about that. As a reminder, you know, to last week with the emphasis of so will I, uh, whether it be us surrendering, you know, something to Jesus, whether it be the stake in the ground that we're committing once again to saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I will join with others by saying so will I. Or maybe it's you just saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to commit to him for the first time. Uh, to my left, to your right is going to be a reminder of that above the cross. You know, we have added so will I. And so uh, let that be just kind of a weekly reminder of what took place, you know, on Easter that I think applies, you know, to all of us. Uh, those of you who are new at our church, those little bulbs are not out, just so you know. Some people are like, man, what's wrong with your cross? Every time someone gets baptized, uh, they have a chance to write their name and a light bulb gets turned on. So the course of a year, you know, we try to see what God does, you know, uh, through you, you know, and uh, if you were here last week and you're back for the second time, I just want to welcome you back. Glad, glad, glad that you are here. Lastly, I wanted to say a special thank you to so many of you who served last weekend. Uh, whether it be, you know, in the parking lot or greeters or the egg hunt or the kids ministry, you know, uh, or those of you who served on our worship team or the tech area for eight services, all of you guys are volunteers. That's the church. It's not a place we go, it's a people we belong to. And so uh, I just want to thank you for your commitment to what God is doing right here. So can we just clap for that? Just to thank you for that. <laughs> Why don't we take a second to pray and we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to love you, to get to know you better. And may we be open, help us put things to the side that may be occupying our hearts and minds so we can be fully present and receive what you would ask from us on this day, uh, either something for us or from us. Lord, we just uh, commit these next few moments to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, this, this title, this series, uh, Christian atheist, right? It's, it's, it sounds, you know, kind of funny, funny title. It almost sounds like an oxymoron, you know, Christian atheist. You know, oxymorons are like pretty ugly, right? Pretty ugly, or civil war, or freezer burn, or cougar victory. I mean, all of these, you know, ox, oxymorons, you know, that, that take place, you know. <laughs> By the way, I added that one just to service. That would just... Uh, <laughs> Somebody told me about a husky thing, so I just flipped on him. Hey, uh, I, I want to explain to you. Here's the reason. is because uh, polled today in America, you do realize that 7 out of 10 people will check the box and say, I believe in God. I believe in God. Out of those 7 out of 10, 75% of those would check the box that say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yet here's the interesting part. If you look around in our society uh, today, especially in America, it doesn't feel like it's the majority, Right? Uh, because it's not. But yet, people still identify and say that this is what they would uh, identify themselves as if they were forced to check a box. And so, let's define what Christian atheist is, right? 
A Christian atheist believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. Christian atheist believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. Uh, the Bible actually says it this way in Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way that they live. They claim they know God, but they deny him by the way that they live. So that's where we get the word Christian atheist, a claiming of knowing, but actually based on our lifestyle, it's actually not true. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to have the DTR conversation, okay? Somebody, what is, the, what is DTR? Do you know what that, is, what that means? Define the relationship, right? It's the define the relationship. Many couples uh, have to have it in the dating process. Uh, and inevitably, there's one couple, it's like, man, we need to define this relationship because I'm ready to get married. The other one's like, I'm ready to break up. You know, and so you have to have the define the relationship talk to see where this relationship is and where it's going. And so we're gonna have that conversation today. We're gonna have a define the relationship talk, but it's between you and God between you and God. Where are you at? Because you might think you're somewhere and God might, th might think that you're somewhere else. God wants you to know him as much as he knows you. But the question is, do we, or are we on the path of knowing God in a very transformative way? So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to assess yourself honestly. Uh, and, it's, and, and some of it might uh, cause some triggers for you as we go through this. This is not going to be an easy series. It's not going to be an easy lesson to admit where we're at. We always like to admit we're further more often than not in life than we, we typically are. But if you can identify and admit where you're at when it comes to your relationship with God, you have the best chance then of going deeper in your relationship with God. And, and so that's what I'm going to ask you to do. So we're going to look at three different ways of what it means or what it looks like to know God. And I want to see if you can figure out where you might be in all of this. Okay, so here's the first one. Some people believe in God, but they don't know him. Okay, some people believe in God, but they don't know him. Uh, this might be someone who would say, yeah, I'm a Christian because I was raised in a Catholic household or I, I went to church with my Baptist dad. Uh, I'm a Christian because I checked the box or I go to church on Christmas. I go to church on, on Easter. And, and so that makes me a Christian. And that's what we kind of were exemplified with, with the intro video today. Or I'm a Christian because I'm not something else. I'm not Buddhist. I'm not Muslim. And so I guess I'm in a Christian nation. So that makes me a Christian. Or I'm a Christian because I know there is a God. I'm just not sure which one. And so this is what my friends say. And so me and God, this person, we're good. You know, I, I, that's what makes me a Christian. Now, if that is you, uh, you would find yourself actually being called more a cultural Christian a cultural Christian. Now, a cultural Christian actually may go to church, uh, but there's no evidence, no obedience outside of attendance, you know, or coming on a regular basis. Uh, in the Bible, remember last week, we talked last week about Jesus' closest followers. There's this 12, and then his inner circle, he's got like three that are really, really close to him. Uh, one of those three is John. John wrote four books in our New Testament Bible. Uh, the first one is John, the, the testimony about who Jesus is, what he did, what he said. The other one is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that he wrote to followers of Christ. In 1st John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, don't miss this. He says, we can be sure that if we know him, that we know him if, that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. Those are pretty harsh words. You know, those are pretty some real. And, 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 you know, you and I might say it this way. 
What are you talking about? I know God. I, I go to church. I, I was in Sunday school when I was 12. I, I gave I give a little money here or there. I, I, uh, I pray, you know, from time to time. I pray, even pray in my own heart and mind. I got a relationship with God. God and I are good. I even try to do nice things for other people from time to time. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but one of the ways to measure your relationship with God is to ask yourself, what's the difference in your relationship with God between you and a demon? A demon, okay? And some, most people would say, well, it's because I believe in God. Well, James tells us when we were in that series, chapter two, verse 19, you say that you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Uh, you see, our children's pastor, uh, Trevor Ferris, is gonna be preaching next week on the importance of the fear of God. The fear of God. It's not something we talk about you know, a lot, but if you're in a very healthy way, you're going to see how transformative it is for you to have a healthy fear of God. So he's going to you know, talk about that next week. Now, Jesus has some haunting words for us, I would say. Some words that if you've been a follower of Christ for a little while, <clears throat> should kind of stop you in your tracks because it does for me. At the end of time, Jesus gathers all people. In other words, the world is no longer here and he gathers them into two different compartments. Sheep and goats. And to one group, he says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. In other words, he's not saying just because somebody says, Lord, Lord, they recognize me, gets them entrance into heaven. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply... I don't know you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. In other words, he's saying, you might even do some things for me, but yet you still don't know me. He will say, I never knew you. Now, that passage can be very confusing, but I think it can be clear if you can stay with me for just a second by using this illustration. I know Russell Wilson, right? Russell and Wilson and I are tight. We are buddies. I know Russell Wilson. I know, you know, that he spent time before even getting out of bed in the morning. So dad would come in and pull him out of bed before light was out and in order to throw the, the, throw the baseball back and forth to each other. I know that he went to NC State for three years. After three years, he went to Wisconsin for one year, went to the Rose Bowl, didn't win that, that game, but led his team to the Rose Bowl. He got drafted in the later rounds by the Seahawks, competed with Matt Flynn, beat him out. Uh, Russell Wilson is, uh, in the number of years he's been in the league, is the number one winningest quarterback, you know, in the, as based on how many years he's played at the position. Uh, I also know that uh, Russell Wilson was married. Russell Wilson also got divorced. That's how intimately I know him. Uh, I also know that he got remarried to Ciara and that, that he intentionally, Ciara already had a child, but kind of adopted the child as his own. I know that every Tuesday he goes to Seattle Children's Hospital and goes around to bring hope and life to those who are there. Uh, I, I, I know that he is proclaimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, not only do I know all these things about Russell Wilson, but we've got such a good relationship, I support him. I have spent a lot of my time watching Russell Wilson and cheering him on. <laughs> I have done that. I have spent money in support of Russell Wilson. I have gone to a couple Seahawks games and said, that's my man, Russell, you go. I have a jersey that has his name on the back that I proudly wear as another man you know, and say, that's my man, Russell Wilson, okay? And so I know Russell Wilson. In fact, this last week, I was at Spokane Valley Mall with Ryan, and who was to show up? Russell Wilson. 
Why is he Spokane Valley Mall? I have no idea. But he was there. And so I walk over to Russell and I'm like, Russ, bro, what's going on, man? Hey, Russell, you want to you you go lunch? You know, you want to kind of hang out together? Hey, why don't you come over? My wife will cook us something up. We'll go in the backyard and throw the football around just like you and your dad did. You know, we'll have a great time this afternoon. Hey, Russ, what do you think? What do you think he's going to say? Security. <laughs> right? Uh, because if, if we were to be real for just a second, that's how some of our relationship with God is. See, we, 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 we can know a lot about him. Uh, we can even give, you know, some monies to him. But all of a sudden, Jesus is going to come to the end of the day and the end of all time and say, I never knew you. In the same way Russell Wilson would look at me, and even though I know a lot about Russell Wilson, even though I supported him, I spent time with him, or time supporting him financially and otherwise, he will look at me and say, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. And so it makes us process, you know, uh, where we're at with our relationship with God. And so first category. I believe in God, but I do not know him. Now, if you find yourself here, this is not a judgment. This is not condemnation. It's to recognize in the DTR conversation where you're at and then hopefully to grow from here. And that's the grace of God and his mercies that are new every single morning, which leads us to the second category. Some people believe in God and they don't know him well. Some people believe in God, but don't know him well. And this is where I know that there's a lot of us in the church, this is actually where we, where we land. In other words, we've experienced God. We've, we've, we've said some prayers. We've come to faith in him. Uh, uh, we give, you know, on a regular basis. We come to worship more than a couple times a year. Uh, we know God. We just don't know him very well. This is not about salvation or any of that kind of stuff. This has to do with depth of relationship. Uh, the reason this is important is I could say it like this. We are informed about God but we've not yet been transformed by him. We're informed by God, but we've not yet been transformed by him. We've got some habits. We've got some things in place. We even go to group, maybe, you know, small groups outside as well, but we've not yet seen that transforming power begin to take place. Uh, again, uh, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? So we're kind of dabbling in this thing, and we know God, but we find ourselves kind of stuck, you know, where, where we're at. And here's what I can tell you. Many people in our church, I love you so much, but there are some of you that I would love to say, what are you thinking when it comes to living outside these walls? whether we live for him, not realizing that a lot of the decisions that you're making is hurting your relationship with Christ, it's hurting your relationship with others with Jesus at the center, and it's hurting your witness for Christ outside these walls. And I love you enough to be able to say it should not be. It's not that we should be perfect. Nope, no, no, no. Not perfection. But are we striving to know him by being transformed by him at a deeper level? In this category, you might actually find yourself knowing a lot about God or doing a lot of things for God and still not going to a depth of relationship with him. Uh, let me be really transparent with you. Uh, here's where I, I wrestle sometimes in my own heart and mind. Uh, many of you know the story of the prodigal son. I'm not going to do the whole story for you, but, but the, 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 the premise of the story is this younger son gets his inheritance from the father, wastes it, and wild living, you know, squanders it all, comes to his senses, goes back to his father. Father has conversation with the older son, and the whole premise of the story is the son of mine was lost 
and he's found. He was dead and he's alive again. And the, and the idea is to try to help people understand you're never too far from God. Or if you are a follower of Christ or a religious person, make sure we don't turn our noses down on other people who have an opportunity to come into the kingdom. So as we look at that story, one of the questions that sometimes get, gets asked is who do you identify with most? Who do you identify with most? Maybe, maybe the father, maybe, maybe, maybe one of the sons. Uh, I, what I've found in my own heart and mind, and this is me being transparent with you, is more often than not, I find myself as one of his servants. What I mean by that is when the son comes home, the father sees him from a long ways away, comes to him, father gets so excited, calls his servant and asks the servant to kill the fatted calf, to put a robe around him, a signet ring to signify his son, put sandals on his feet. The older brother is out in the field and he calls a servant to him and the servant tells him what's going on with the younger son. The reason sometimes I feel that way is sometimes I see myself more as a servant of God than one of his children. So I can find myself very easily doing a lot of things for God because of my love for him. I can find myself sharing with a lot of other people like I'm doing now about God because I do know a lot about him. But there are times that I fail to embrace the reality that I am a child of God, which takes my relationship with Christ to knowing to a whole different level. And maybe some of you can relate to that as well. So there are those for category one who believe in God, but they do not know him. Uh, there are others that believe in God, but then they know, they know him, but they don't know him well, which I know is a good chunk of our church. And it's okay, we're on a journey. But the third category is the one that we should be striving for. So you've ever said, what's the target when it comes to knowing God? Here it is. Some people believe in God and they know him intimately and they serve him wholeheartedly out of that intimacy, out of that, the Bible calls it abidance. You can read about that in John 15. In other words, these are people who come to church, but they live for Christ, know Christ outside the walls. They spend time with him. They, they, they hear his voice. Now, I'm not talking about some creepy audible, like God told me to, but there's these Holy Spirit promptings. There's these Holy Spirit. You, these people wake up in the morning and say, not what are my plans today, but God, what is your will for me today? Uh, these people allow their, their lives to be led by God, even if it's hard and difficult, because they know that knowing God and serving him wholeheartedly is the abundant life that he provides. Uh, they come to Sundays ready to worship. They don't need the band to warm them up, you know, to get them excited about worshiping God. And regardless of what gets played, they're like, my heart's involved in what you are doing, God, and so I come to worship you freely. See, there are a lot of people who are in this category in our church as well, and you know who you are. In fact, listen to a man who loves God. Listen to a man who longs for God. Listen to a man who needs God. Listen to the intimacy of his language. His name is David, or you might know him as King David, and he wrote this in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. He's not saying some God out there. He's saying you're my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. So he's never arrived at knowing God at an infinite level. He's constantly searching, longing, wanting to know at a deeper level. I have seen you in your sanctuary. Talk about personal experience, not based on what somebody else talks about, but a personal encounter. And gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How would he know? Because he's experienced it. How I praise you. I praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. 
Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. So as we started, how, how well do you know God? How well do you know him? Uh, let me give you a little bit of a hint. Okay, here's the hint. What you call God can determine how well you know God. What you call God can give you an indication. It can give you an understanding of, 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 of where your relationship is with him. In other words, Psalms 9:10 says, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. So let me contextualize this because I think you'll understand based on this illustration. What you call me gives us an indication of where our relationship is at, right? If I get a call out of the blue and it says, hey, I just want to call you up and let you know you can refinance your house. You just heard a click because you're a telemarketer, right? You don't know me. You're just calling randomly just to try to get me to buy or subscribe to something, okay? Now, some of you might email me. You might send me a message that says, hey, Pastor Dan, I want to talk about now, by you calling me Pastor Dan, that lets me know maybe where our relationship is, that maybe you go to our church, uh, maybe you've even looked at you know, online, you look at social media, you might even know some things about me, uh, uh, that I'm married, that I've got a few kids, uh, you might follow me you know, on social media, uh, you might uh, think you know me fairly well by some of the things that I share and the journey that I'm on, and so you call me Pastor Dan, and so that gives us a level of intimacy. I want to give you a little hint. My kids don't call me Pastor Dan, right? Maybe they should, but they don't. No. Now, if you call me and you say, what's up, Dan? Let's go fly fishing or hang out and watch a Hawks game. You're going to know me at a little different level. Why? Because my friends don't call me Pastor Dan. Now, Pastor Dan is not an not a, you know, un, unfavorable term, but you know me at a different level, right? We have relationship. You know some of my interests, some of my desires. You want to hang out. We have hung out in the past as well. Now, I even hate mentioning this because I know where this leads. But if you actually call me, what's up, Danny boy? I'll know that you've known me since seventh grade, right? That we have history that goes back to high school and beyond. So after every service, somebody comes up, what's up, Danny boy? I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't work. You know, but if you genuinely did that, we would know each other because of our history and connection at a completely different level. Now, there are some three to be exact, who know me as dad, who know me as daddy. Okay, there's only three. Uh, uh, these, these three, you know, know that we've done some history together. We've been intimate. We've loved one another. We've had wrestle time. We've had snuggle time. We've read stories together, etc. Now, let me preempt what I know is coming. No, Eric, Ryan, and Dave, this does not mean you guys. Actually, when it comes to the NCAA March Madness bracket, as the staff winner, <laughs> the last two out of three years, I guess I am your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where is he? Where is Dave? I don't know. see him. Oh, oh, that kills me every time, you know. <laughs> Who's your daddy now? You know, you know I tell you. Seriously, there are only three, you know, there are only three, you know, uh, who have the right, the knowledge, and call me dad. We've been through ups and downs together. We've gone through suffering together. We've gone through highs. We've gone through lows. We've gone on a journey. 
And it's an incredible one. And when they call me dad or daddy, there's a level of intimacy and relationship, isn't there? Based on what they call me. Now, one more. There's only one who has ever called me husband, who's ever called me spouse, who's ever called me lord of the castle. (laughs) Maybe not that last one. (laughs) I threw through that one in there a little bit. She knows me better than anyone else, which is my wife, Carolina, right? We have a whole different, you know, relationship based on what she calls me, right? So what do you call God? Well, you and I have a tendency to call God in prayers or conversation can be a determination of our relationship with God. So if you call God or know somebody else calls him that big guy up in the sky or the man upstairs, that tells you about a relationship. It gives you a little indication about your relationship with him. If you pray, dear six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus, that gives you a little bit of an indication about where you might be in relationship with him. If though, on the other hand, you cry out to him intimately as father, then that's what he has been to you. Uh, Some of you know him as savior because he has saved you from your sins. Some of you know him as friend because he has been there. Some of you know him as provider because he provided in a time of need. Some of you know him as healer because he changed and he healed you emotionally, maybe even physically. Some of you know him as comforter because he comforted you. Some of you know him as Lord and others of you will call him king because you have experienced these things. Do you realize that if you study the entire Old Testament, every time they had an intimate encounter with God, they gave him a new name, which was reflective of their connection with him. And so these aren't just names about God. What do you call him? Because more often than not, it gives you an understanding of how well you know him. Understand this. It's a lifelong, it's a lifelong you know, process. You never arrive, right? I've been married for 20, over 20 years now. Here's what I can tell you about Carolina. I know and love her more now than I did when we were first dating, than I did when we were first married, than after five years, 10 years, 15 years. And it's amazing to me the depth of my knowing her continues to go at a deeper and deeper level, even in the ups and downs of life. How much more so with God? It is a lifelong journey that you will go on in knowing him in the, in the way that he wants to know you all the way to the point that you actually meet him face to face. And here's the cool part. As you get to know him, the following begins to take place in your life. You begin to hunger for his presence. That's an indication of knowing. You begin to desire to worship him. You begin to desire to pray more. Your heart slowly breaks for the things that break God's heart the closer that you know him. You begin to grieve over sin, starting with your own. The fruits of the Spirit become more and more evident in your life. Fruits of the Spirit is all of a sudden you start seeing more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control beginning to exude from your life because it's not just about knowledge of him. There's transformational power at work in you. You find yourself forgiving more quickly than you used to. You become more generous in your heart and in your action. You find yourself more quick to share your faith. You begin to care more for the poor and compassion for the outcast. These things are evidence and proof as you get to know him, not just know more about him. A transformation takes place. So as we wrap up, 
back to the DTR. Define the relationship. Where are you in knowing God? Some people believe in God but don't know him. Some people believe in God but don't know him well. And some people believe in God and know him intimately and serve him wholeheartedly. Our goal is always to push towards number three. So identify where you're at and begin to go to that level. Our next step is to seek and know God at a deeper level. Seek and you will find him. Knock, the door shall be opened. If you seek him with all your heart. Let me close with this verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Why do you hope? Why do you pray for those things? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. To know is to personally experience the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So some of you might be asking, well, how do I move, Dan, from one category, which I admit I'm at, to another? That's why you're going to come back next week because we're out of time. That's what the rest of this series is going to walk through. What are ways that we can grow in our knowledge, experience, connection with God so the transformational power at work moves us from one category to another? Step one is just admitting, where am I at? Step two is saying, God, I need your help to get to the next level. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today and the opportunity to learn, to serve, to grow. Help us, Father, in all grace and all mercy to continue to grow in our knowledge, personal experience with you. Thank you for those who are here. Continue to bless and guide them as they process decisions that they might need to make. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.